Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today, friends, we have another exciting set of guests. They're with the New York Humane Party. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to see you, Andrew. Yes, nice, nice to hear you here. If we could get started by first, you two giving our audience your names and also giving us a brief background sketch, a, a short bio about yourself. Craig, I'm happy oh, for you to Okay, <laughs> okay, I was waiting for you. Uh, I got involved with uh, alternative party politics in the early 1990s. Oh, and that was that was originally with the Green Party. Uh, after having okay. been a Democrat and being entirely frustrated, uh, there wasn't yet at that point any formation for an animal rights specific party uh, in New York, and and uh, not much activity yet on the United States level. <clears throat> uh, in the nineteen nineties, I ran for public office six times. Always, always on the Green Party at that time. So I had a lot of uh, experience uh, with uh, the ballot access issues. And during my first run for office, I had already been a vegetarian for some years and actually made a note of it in my campaign and was interviewed by the alternative press, uh, noting that, that they thought it was interesting that there was at the time a vegetarian running for office and being quite open about oh, that. Yeah. Uh, Years later, as I as I became uh, frustrated with the lack of uh, animal rights issues in politics, uh, I actually formed uh, the the Green Party of the United States Animal Rights Committee. And oh. the attempt, in the yeah, the attempt was to make the Green Party more animal rights savvy, and uh, that was uh, twenty eighteen at that point. And uh, over time, I, I really became frustrated with the fact that the, the Green Party was not making the connection between uh, other social justice issues and uh, non-human animal social justice issues. So with that, uh, uh, myself and, and a couple of other people in that committee uh, uh, started working with and supporting Humane Party candidates and understood the importance of creating a party which acknowledges animal rights as the issue. Uh, and that brings us uh, to where we are today in an attempt to uh, get it going in New York City. Okay. So, so, so that's, that's the brief version of my background, but uh, that's where I am now with animal rights. Sounds good. How about and you, Tracy? Yeah, so just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm I'm a technology person. I've always worked in computing in various different industries, and uh, I think one thing technology gives you is 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 actually an optimism about the future. Okay. And so yeah, and I I think that you and I think that plays into things like um, bringing animals into politics because to me it's very much something that we we should be striving for and is part of the progress, shall we say, of society. 
over time um and that we will get to that point eventually um so yeah, that's my background. And in terms of how I got involved with Humane Party, I, you know, I was always cared about animals, and I was a vegetarian from, you know, from when I was a child, basically. Um, but I suppose as I got older, I kind of wanted to get a bit more involved. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I came across, I think I came across the Humane Party probably googling because I think I, like Craig, I was just unhappy with with the lack of. Uh, the lack of uh, importance attached to animal issues in in the mainstream parties. And so I think that's how I found the Humane Party. And I actually became oh. vegan as a result of joining the Humane Party because that is one of the things you have to, if you want to be, an, you know, if you actually want to have an official position with the Humane Party, you have to take an oath of being vegan. And at that point I wasn't. Oh, wow. So that, that's what made me actually is what pushed me over to that. Um, yeah so I suppose I did it about reverse order to a lot of other people so that and I that's how I got involved um you know I signed up with interest and then somebody uh, from the humane Robin Miller reached out to me and, and actually had a full one-on-one -on -one conversation with me and that was why I decided to get involved um yeah so I guess that that hopefully has addressed the brief background and, and of that history of getting involved with uh the humane parties. I think we covered a few, few of the bullet points yes. there. <laughs> yes, yep. It's a, yeah, it gives us a good understanding of where you came from and how you got there. So sure. I also, Tracy, you did touch on this in your introduction. Since your party is focused on animal rights, would you two kindly share your story about how you became vegan? Uh, sure. Go ahead, Craig. Sure. Uh, now, and as I mentioned, I'd, I'd already been vegetarian uh, uh, for 30 years at one point and, and uh, had been running for office and been open about that. Uh, interestingly, and, and probably not too different than many people who become vegan, after having been vegetarian, uh, one day I, I, I was playing with my cat and uh, looked, into, looked into his eyes and just a button went off, a bell went off, that, that he's a being, just like me. Looks a little bit different, but we communicate, we play, we have fun. And I, and I thought to myself, this is the same with all beings. And, and although I had been vegetarian, uh, I realized that, that uh, dairy and eggs are, are products of enslavement, of animals being force-bred to make products for humans. And I would never, never find that acceptable uh, with my cat or, or, or people with their dogs, with their companion animals. And I said, this should be a fundamental basis for all animals. And this was in 2013. And at that point, I, I became vegan. I said, all animals, all animals deserve rights. And that moved me from vegetarianism to veganism is the rights issue. Uh, all, all sentient beings, uh, all human and non-human beings have the right not to be enslaved and the right not to be commodified. Uh, and, and that's what made me vegan. Oh, good. And Tracy, and you mentioned that in your introduction so 
if you care to expound briefly about that, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, so, you know, like Craig, I've all, well, you know, I've always kind of considered myself an animal lover. And, and as I say, partly why I went vegan was because of wanting to work with the Humane Party and recognizing that, you know, you, if you eat, you know, dairy and eggs also require enslavement of animals and, you know, disruption of their families and all of the associated costs, you know, with that. And, you know, on a sort of scientific front, I've always always been interested in sort of the science of consciousness, which is still not a, you know, there's not like a, a settled approach on that. But But one thing most people who are, you know, philosophers or scientists in in consciousness would say that um animals are conscious right they may have different forms and they may not have so language based but they are they have a subjective sense of being the word being right so why are they not given any appropriate rights within you know the political political or or legal process and that that was you know that was part of wanting to get involved with the humane party and i have to say one thing i wanted to point out is when i first heard that the humane party was advocating 100 vegan as part of the constitution at the time it seemed and i, I hate to say it, but it actually seemed a little bit extreme because we're so indoctrinated to believe that animals are there and this is they their status is you know radically different from our own it actually it, it sounded very kind of radical um, as someone just, you know, average person just coming from the, the, the sort of background that we all have. Um, and now I realize that it's not radical. Well, it, it is radical in the sense that it's not something that, that exists anywhere in the world. But really, as a philosophical thing, it's actually kind of obvious um, that that is the way it should be. But we have all become sort of indoctrinated through historical treatment of animals pretty much across the world that to accept these these enslavements and violence as as somehow normal um or acceptable and you know when you actually examine it with an open mind you realize that this is terrible this is just a kind of brainwashing that in a sense that we've all been uh brought up with so um you know i also have my own kind of evol- evolution from from initial kind of wow that seems a bit radical you know everyone's meant to be vegan but then realizing that well actually that's just a natural consequence of following uh you know a fairly reasonable moral uh inferences yes sure so chris since you ran for office before kindly tell our audience what lessons you learned from running for office and how you're applying those lessons now uh the, the the biggest challenge is ha- uh, two challenges actually one is is ballot access but okay. the other is other uh, which is very important is how to do outreach and how to do it effectively because <clears throat> uh, 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 when you're into alternative poly- party politics it's hard to break people it's just like uh, how hard it is to, to break people from 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 eating animal products uh, uh, it, it's trying to do that outreach and how to message in a way that reaches the broadest people. Uh, so what I've learned uh, and still learning is how to do messaging uh, so that okay. people can understand how it relates to the other issues. And for me, I work in media. Uh, I do video professionally. 
So uh, I took it upon myself to start doing more video relating to animal issues. And I did that post running for office so that the message has to, in order for people's mindsets to change so that they're willing to vote for and support a party, you know, the, uh, such as the main party that su supports animal rights, uh, the, the animal rights message has to become as ubiqui ubiquitous as possible. Uh, so uh, I started following uh, the activist movements in New York City that were all focused on different kinds and diversity of animal rights issues. And, and one oh. of the things that, that, that I found is, 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 is that they need to be connected. You know, they're, they're very diverse and, and separate and uh, sometimes not communicating well together. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, not communicating well together politically. Uh, and that political element is important, and that's it's kind of what, what drove me to, to become active in the Humane Party, uh, because there's a base that can do that in New York. And I found that running for office, that I was able to connect issues in a way that people, people's conceived notions of partisan politics breaks down, uh, because they're a way to find uniting issues and i actually think animal rights are a uniting issue because it connects to uh, not only social justice issues be it economic issues to health issues and even to housing issues uh it's actually uh, what i consider a broad-based root issue so uh, what my mission is in life and and, and why i'm uh, involved in the main party is that in running for office, I find you can work on making that connection in a way that translates to having a real impact. And that impact is eventually to elect people and to change laws. And with that, you can change people's notions of what is right and what is just and what is fair. Uh, sure. Sounds good. So what are the major issues you're facing in New York and what does your New York party platform have to say about those and other things? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this. Um, so, sorry, what was the, the first question with the major, the major issues we have? Yeah, the major issues in New York that you're facing and mm. also how your party platform is addressing that and anything else. Yeah, well, I think the issues are pretty much the same that you'd probably get anywhere. It's just that, um, I mean, and, 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 you know, and to be fair, that New York has definitely made improvements around um, various animal issues. So they're not completely oh. ignored. There, there have been improvements in various um, uh, particular points. But so I'd say that I don't think New York is sort of worse than than most other places in that sense. But I think that it's a general issue of animal uh, points really not being taken that seriously by politicians and certainly not advocating, you know, vegan diets for, uh, ultimately as the ultimate end goal. There's, there's certainly no, uh, no mainstream party that's advocating that. So, okay. 
Um, I, I think in terms of the practical issues are it's getting people to run as candidates and a, a particular point to bring up actually is the issue of ranked choice voting. So oh. uh, New, New York City uh, adopted ranked choice voting for primary elections. In fact, Craig and I were both at the, the vote on this, right, Craig? When we, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there were hearings uh, in New York City. Yeah, when that got decided. And we were advocating that they should also apply that to the general, you know, the um, the general elections. Um, but it, it was only applied at the primary election. So, you know, choosing uh. which candidate is going to represent each party. Um, so, you know, that's a massive issue. If you look around the world where animal parties have power, they are in proportional representation systems. Okay. Um, that is it. You know, if you look at first past the post, which I'm I'm English and American, it, it both those countries have first past the post, which in a sense is really designed to keep out third parties. Uh, yeah. Because what, what, what we've already come under fire for having um, not under fire, that's too strong a word, but we've had pushback um, from, you know, on, on social media in announcing our uh, pres you know, presidential run run of our candidate this year um people saying you know this this is too important an election to be running third party candidates that that sort of <laughs> that's that sort of response that can happen right within these electoral systems so i yeah. definitely think that's a problem people thinking that oh you know why are you asking us about this third party when we should be focusing on this you know this election because it's too important so that's that's an issue and and Craig, I don't know if there's a plans to change that to 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 extend that to the general election. I I, I haven't looked at what's happened on that front. I, I know there are people working on that fight. In fact, uh, <clears throat> some of that relates to uh, relates to you know the, the the animal rights issue because when I first ran for uh, uh, state legislature in New York City. One of the groups that supported me was was a group called Fido, and that was because I was fighting for dog runs as a community board member, which is uh, community board members are, are volunteer positions, not elected positions. And okay. uh, it was interesting that that again the companion animal issues uh, set this off. But uh, when I first ran, w what I found is initially. Uh, people viewed me as sort of like the Democrat who runs in November because there's, the Republican Party is so weak, the issue didn't seem to come up. And a lot of, of, of Democrats and, and some Republicans as well who were frustrated with their candidates would vote for me and, and would do so without fear. So I did okay, obviously never won, but I was able to break 10% in some of my runs which is pretty good for, uh, for a third party candidate. Sure. Uh, and, but uh, what I found is what wasn't being represented is although there were, were Democrats who were supportive of, of animal issues, you know, as, as Tracy alluded to, uh, uh, the problem is if in the Democratic Party, within your own party, there's opposition to it. So while we've had uh, a, 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 
a political push which which has made the New York City hospital system, the public hospital system, primarily plant-based. What hasn't been able to happen is doing the same with the public schools. Oh. Also, uh, the, the, there's a, an attempt to ban uh, carriage horses, and, and there's opposition, strong opposition to that within the Democratic Party. Uh, there's also huh. the issue of, of of zoos in New York City, particularly the Bronx Zoo, and, and Happy the Elephant has been getting some press coverage uh, that that these zoos are not are not appropriate for for a lot of animals that that didn't grow up in this kind of environment. Uh, and the other issue also is that there are 80 slaughterhouses in New York City, and people don't realize that. Uh, and there are eyesores in their neighborhood, uh, besides the fact that uh, obviously they're killing animals. Uh, and, and, and none of these tend to get uh, the visibility as political issues as they should, because there are elements within the Democratic Party who suppress those issues. <clears throat> now, at one time, New York City actually had proportional representation in the oh. 1930s and 1940s. And there were as many as five political parties in the city council. And of course, mm -hmm. the same Democratic Party, and specifically the Democrats in New York, not the Republicans, uh, the Democrats who opposed that and, and uh, eventually through initiative and referendum, which created it, used the very same initiative and referendum process to defeat it. Uh, and we've lost that democracy since then. And, and although they succeeded in ranked choice voting, it's been only in primaries because, of course, this is something the Democrats are okay with within their internal ranks. Uh, but what it assures is that voices like ours uh, uh, become subject to potential attack in the general election, as you're seeing on the presidential level. But uh, e even uh, in New York City, there's just that that mindset has has become an obstacle that somehow, if you're an alternative party, you're a troublemaker. Uh, and the irony, it's the Democrats who have oppressed that. So part of of supporting animal rights includes, uh, as Tracy mentioned, as our appearance at the hearings is including electoral reform and there's an example there's a good example of how yeah. these issues are connected here we're talking about animal rights and animal rights political party but that's also rooted in electoral reform we need ranked choice voting at the very least for general elections and it would be great if in new york city we got back to proportional representation because we had it before and that oh, yeah. would help create leverage for us and other alternative political parties too. So we have a real uh, unifying issue with, with us and even those uh, very small elements in the major parties that would like to see those reforms too. I mean, I know one of the reasons why when I ran, I got support from some democratic clubs is they were frustrated with the results of the democratic primary. So the reason why I think the humane party ha has potential viability is uh, there, there are clearly elements in the public and even in the major party establishment who are not happy with their candidates. 
and, and they would be comfortable, uh, I think, voting for our candidates uh, if they were given that choice. And of course, this whole uh, fear setup is part of the reason why it's so hard for us to find candidates. The interesting thing, the ballot access has actually gotten, although it's gotten more difficult in New York State, it's gotten easier in New York City. It's, oh. the petition rules are now, if you were to run as a Democrat for city council, you would generally need 450 valid signatures. If you run as a humane party candidate in New York City for city council, it's also 450 signatures. There's no oh, difference. Wow, okay. And they both had the same access to campaign finance as well. So here we are in New York City, where at least in, in, in the municipal elections, we have a level playing field as far as ballot access is. Yeah. And, and why would it be difficult for us to find candidates? And part of that is the psychology of fear. Uh, so that's oh, okay. what we're up against. And that's why, why electoral reform is important, because it, it also gives us the opportunity to address the politics of fear, which is pervasive, becoming even more pervasive now on the national level. Uh, um, can I just say one thing about the fear? I think this is a really important point because it's come up as exactly it's a, it's a deterrent to people running. And 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 actually part of the fear is the toxic blowback on social media. The social media, a lot of it's become very toxic. And people yeah. are afraid to put themselves out there because they know that they are going to probably get some personal attack from somebody on on social media and concerns that people will be digging around, you know, trying to dig up dirt. So I, I know that personally, when I spoke to somebody about running, that was one of the major fears that she brought up. So oh my. that's not necessarily a political concern, but it's something that is just uh, the era that we are in with social media. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but but you know, and and saying what um, Greg was saying about city council, I have to say New York is good in the sense that it has tried to create this more uh, level playing field. And one of the important things it does is for uh, when you, a candidate, if they're registered appropriately with the city, is that if they get funds from individuals, the city will match that by a factor of. Eight. So literally, if somebody wow. gave you a hundred dollars, the city would contribute eight hundred dollars to your campaign. Wow, that's a good incentive. It is a good incentive, and it, it it's there to level out, you know, corporate. And that's doesn't that would only apply to individual donors. So that that you know, they, to their credit, they have done that, um, and they've also got various training classes. So they have tried to make it accessible um, to run as a city council. But despite that, we you know we haven't other than myself and, and Craig has run before, we haven't had other candidates um, run, but uh, we, we're hopeful that that, that will, will change in the future. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, sorry. So what is your strategy for reaching voters and supporters of the Humane Party? So... We, we we do have people that are signed up with Humane Party, not when they're, they're across the country. So we do reach out to them to encourage people to run. We have some meetup groups. So we, you know, we do Facebook. Um, okay. You know, that is stuff that we need to improve on, frankly. Um, we need to, to, to get 
more savvy, I would say, with social media and to address and maybe to get up front of some of these issues that are discouraging people from running. Um, you know, Craig and I have talked about creating a program which helps support candidates and kind of helps them with um, some of the basics in terms of getting a ballot access petitioning process because they are very specific. They're not as scary probably as they sound once you know what's involved, but you know, try and demystify that. Uh, for candidates. So that that is something we're looking uh, to build out is to de demystify and de uh, de fear the process, I guess, to, to encourage uh, people to run. Craig, sorry, okay. did you want to add anything to that, Craig? Yeah, for my, for my part of my personal history in using video and the importance of social media, which you're hearing here and for podcasts like this, uh, is I would like to to focus on creating uh, uh, short videos for social media, for outreach. I mean, younger people are are are, are gravitating towards social media, uh, Instagram and TikTok particularly. Yeah. So so part of that is understanding the language, and I should also mention that younger people are, are more likely to be vegan than older people. They they they're oh, actually more okay. vegan, young people. So so not only is it speaking the language, but it's a language that many of them, a message that many of them are understanding. Uh, so if they understand that there's an option to create an alternative party, and we know people are frustrated, especially young people with the, with the major parties, that, that focuses on these animal issues and ties them into the other issues in their life, uh, I think that's a potentially attractive message. Uh, but again, social media is a, is a very crowded field, and uh, and politics uh, dominate dominates it uh, often in a, in a frustrating way by by frustrating messengers. Because uh, as Tracy pointed out, if you start talking about uh, a third party, you, you know you you're subject to to attack. And, and for us, imagine if you're talking about animal issues. And so many uh, vegans and animal rights activists are tied to the Democratic Party. Uh, oh, no. and, it, and it's ironic because it's all, often elements in the Democratic Party who, who are defeating them. A good example, I think, <clears throat> is the mayor of New York City who, who sometimes is lauded for being plant-based. I mean, he was behind the move of, of, of pushing the New York City hospital system to, to plant-based predominant diet, you know, in terms of his health care. But he's also particularly bad uh, on animal rights. So he's plant-based as far as diet goes. But, uh, you know, he, he, he has uh, introduced and promoted methods of, for example, killing rats with poisons, which, of course, disturbs the entire ecosystem because, you know, New York City also has... Uh, uh, birds of prey, uh, people may not be aware of, that, that feed on rats uh, and or pigeons. And if you start poisoning one aspect of the food chain, you impact the entire animal chain. Uh, okay. So these are the kinds of connections uh, that, that might be messageable in social media in a way to, to display them so that people say, hey, I really should be supportive 
of all of New York City's non-human population because they're all connected and we're connected to them. Uh, and, and it's the elements in the Democratic Party that come up with these solutions uh, that are actually quite anti-animal. So even though someone may say, well, you got to work through the Democratic Party. Yeah, well, people have. Uh, and that's the reason why they're being held back. It's the same reason why the uh, uh, trying to end horse-drawn ca- uh, horse carriages uh, in New York City, which really serves no purpose other than a, than a form of abusive entertainment, it's not integral to our economy even, uh, is that there's an element of the labor mu- movement which has ties to many Democratic uh, elected officials, so that even uh, if such Democrats morally or ethically support that position, they won't do so politically. And that's why the political okay. element is so important. Sure. And, and, and just, I know I'm, this is a national level sort of statistic that I'm quoting, but if you look at the Democratic Party platform, document for 2016 it literally does not mention the word animal once i think in 2020 i think it had one reference to some vague reference and non-specific to animal i think might have said animal welfare but that just shows you out of a you know a 50 60 page document that is the priority they are attaching to animal issues so that's a pretty objective measure of just how low down on the agenda this is is considered um, sure. So yeah, naturally, it's it's a point of frustration for anyone who cares about animals. That makes sense. So since you two have became vegan successfully and have been doing it for a while, can you please give our audience some brief tips on how to become vegan? Um, well, I can. I, I guess I can just tell you about how I did it, and I. And look, to be fair, I think some people find it easier than others. Um, Okay. So I I think that there might be some physiological differences between different kinds of people as to how their body behaves when they start to remove certain things from their diet. So for me, it was actually very, very easy. Um, Maybe that's because I'm I'm half Indian. I don't know. Maybe that helps. Uh, You know, I don't know. But for me, physiologically, it turned out to be easy. But I think... For people, it isn't, and this is not a humane party. Uh, this is not a humane party statement. This is my own statement. I would say phase it. If if you're having trouble, I would say gradually do changes because I think your body has to adapt. Um, that's one thing. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just talking about my own personal thing. I'm not a nutritionist or anything. I do supplement, so I I take supplements. Probably, I'm, okay. o- I'm over fifty, so I probably, you know, I think probably a good idea for anyone who's a bit older. Um, yeah, and I supplement, and um, I personally use. I actually, I'm I'm not someone who cooks a lot from scratch, so I don't shy away from like pre pre made uh, products which make life convenient for me. So um, I don't feel like I have to cook everything from scratch. So I will definitely buy, you know, veggie burgers and things like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, that, 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 that's, that's worked for me. That's all I can say. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Do you have anything to add to Chris? Uh, Craig. Uh, yeah. Craig, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, there's, uh, 
actually because of of the the nature of New York City, there's actually some very specific New York City thinking uh, in order to make it easy. Uh, because I've heard a lot of the explanations uh, on the obstacles. Uh, some are more difficult than others. Uh, the, the biggest obstacles are actually friends and family. Uh, okay. Because in social environments, and sometimes work, in social environments, uh, uh, you, you have to eat what's uh, being made available to you if you're not the one cooking. Uh, yeah. And you have to get around that. Fortunately, I had had a very supportive grandmother who when I when I first became vegetarian, because uh, I used to go over to her house, she didn't live too far from me to eat uh, uh, once a week. And she immediately said that the first five years of her children's lives, they were fed plant based diets. So even though she herself oh. wasn't vegetarian or vegan, uh, she raised her children that way. And then when she, when I told her that I was moving in that direction, she was actually very supportive and cooked for me. Wow. So the rest of my family was very hostile. You have huh. to eat your meat. Uh, and, and that's one, one of the biggest obstacles. So in order to combat that, uh, you have to look at, at how you reintegrate with your family. And, and uh, Tracy mentioned phases one of the things to do is is when you're not with family and friends that's the easiest way to 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 be vegan at least on those meals and this yeah. impacts how you shop for yourself now uh the problem some new yorkers face is that a lot of the uh uh prepackaged food uh is expensive and that's actually a political problem because of it's where the subsidies go and it's what happens into poorer neighborhoods. Uh, like I noticed in my own neighborhood, which is in Bushwick, where a large portion of the population is on, is on uh, EBT, food stamps, that uh, the, the cost of broccoli and the cost of low, co uh, of low quality meat uh, uh, might, might make broccoli look more expensive. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and certainly the processed, you know, the veggie burgers are, are crazy expensive. Uh, so uh, the, the first step I would say is, is do try to cook for yourself and cook simple foods. One of the things that I did is I, I bought uh, on discount a combination uh, 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 pressure cooker air fryer. Uh, so I, I make my own food where I can. Uh, so I don't have to buy processed food. But sometimes when I'm out in public, of course, the only options uh, are the processed foods. But you try to offset that. Uh, and and granted, there are people who have who have issues with with uh, vegan diets because there's no proper training. One of the things that has changed recently in New York City is because of the public hospital systems that when I had health issues, in addition to, to, to them addressing my health issues, when I, when I went into the hospital, I asked for an appointment with the dietitian. Now, the dietitian in the hospital was already vegan-friendly, already plant-based friendly. Okay. So we were able to go over my diet and tweak it. So New York City public hospital system, which is far less expensive than, than private hospitals, actually gives the public 
access to the dietitians if they need it. If if you're having an oh. issue, if you if you're already moving plant based and you have health issues, go to the public hospital and ask specifically to speak to a dietitian. Uh, and so they'll help you in that arena, and it's good that New York City has has that option. But the main tips are: uh, you may need to learn to cook for yourself. Uh, get the appropriate cooking tools to do that. Learn how to shop wisely. I think one of the things that's available in New York City, uh, more so than some other areas, is farmers markets. If the grocery stores. Okay. Because the grocery stores and the and uh, are are geared towards processed foods and meat and animal products that are subsidized, that's not the case with the farmers markets. And often in the farmers markets, even if you're you're on uh, EBT or food stamps, you can use those discounts at the farmers markets and get fresh food wow. straight from the farmers, without the processing. And often they'll help you with diet as well, because they're selling the produce directly. I mean, you can walk up and see something that you've never seen before and say, how do I cook this? And they'll gladly help you. Uh, so there's that access too. Uh, so the main tips are, are shop for yourself, uh, use processed foods as a transition, but if you can't afford it, uh, uh, Avail yourself to the resources to learn how to uh, how to make things yourself, and uh, uh, av avoid the public pressure, the family pressure, uh, where you can. And fortunately, also in New York City, uh, a lot of uh, the restaurants are become becoming savvy because if five to ten percent of the population is plant based. And you're with a bunch okay. of friends and you say, they say, let's go to this restaurant. And you say, well, I can't eat there. Let's go to that restaurant. You know, there are a lot of restaurants that are, I mean, that are plant-based friendly. For example, White Castle has plant-based options. So if you're oh, looking to go to a fast food place and somebody says McDonald's, you can counter and say, well, McDonald's doesn't offer me the options. Let's go to White Castle. Uh, it's the same thing with, uh, in my neighborhood, pizza places. It's, I would probably say about 20% of the pizza places now have uh, vegan or plant-based pizza options. So you're okay. going to go towards the businesses and bring your friends to the businesses that have those options. Uh, and that's the thing as an advocate of plant-based, even if you don't ask those people who you're going with to be plant-based, steer them to those establishments which, which support plant-based options. Those restaurants are aware, that's why they've made those switches. And you now set up a, a, an economic system where the plant-based restaurants will do better. Uh, uh, and that's a form of, of, of economic encouragement. So, so take that uh, 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 impetus to become an educator uh, and, and to invite people to those establishments that support plant-based options because they're like i say places like white castle there are many mainstream establishments now that that focus on plant-based options so that's a that's very an true. important tip to take very true yeah and also like it's also if good to call them in person and ask them explicitly do you have any vegan options because if they have to say no 
then hopefully that will provide and you know by assumption you wouldn't be going if I, if they've said that then that gives them feedback that they're missing oh, customers yeah. because of that so that that's always sure. a good thing to do yes good idea so craig and tracy kindly tell our audience how they can support you in your efforts So, um, yeah, I mean, you can go to the humaneparty.org uh, website and, and sign up and express your interest and in whether you want to volunteer with us. And um, I would say even even better if you if you would like to run as a candidate. Um, that is something that we really want to get, you know, a group of high quality candidates to run. Um, we can support you at different levels. I mean, we are both based in New York, so that is our main focus, and we can help, you know, with boots on the ground type activities. So, oh, sure. yeah, reach out. We also have um, a New York City focused website, which is humane.nyc, which is focused more on the local political process. So, yeah, if, if, okay. and, um, and you can email myself directly. My email is Tracy with an E. Oh. L-A-L-L at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out directly. Um, yeah, so the, the, that that is the, the main avenue. You said humanenyc.org? Uh, humane.nyc. That's um, humane. New York City. Yeah, humane. Dot, so NYC is a New York City-specific um, URL. Code. Oh, okay. I never heard of that before, so that's interesting. Yeah, it's a bit of New York City branding. <laughs> okay, wow. Thank you, too, for coming on the podcast today and talking about your party, talking about veganism and animal rights. Well, thank you for reaching out, Andrew. I really appreciate you taking the time to to interview with us. And um, I also appreciate you being vegan. That's an, uh, an, added, uh, an added bonus to, to us talking to you. Thank you. And podcasts are another good avenue on social media to, to to educate the public that there are options and that there's a place to go to if they're interested in working with the Humane Party, uh, whether it's as a candidate or just as a supporter or uh, to integrate them in to help uh, a candidate when a candidate uh, does, does appear, does suggest running. I mean... Uh, there'll be a presidential candidate who will need lots of assistance. Uh, and that's a way to hook in. And oftentimes when you hook into a larger race, you develop local resources and you can use those uh, local resources uh, for your own future campaign. Oftentimes the volunteer on a presidential campaign will have the opportunity of becoming the next city council candidate because they will develop uh, local relationships while working on that campaign. Sure. Sounds good. We wish you two all the best in your party endeavors and every other personal and professional endeavor you pursue. Thank you very much, Andrew, and, and to yourself. We very much appreciate talking with you today. Yes, thank you. Right, thank take... you for your effort. Sure. Take care and all the best. Thank you. You too. Bye.